0: Hi, I'm Adrian Blue, and
1: you're listening to Music A to Z Woo! Hello and welcome to the Music A to Z podcast. I'm Steve Ferguson. And I am Douglas Ferguson. I almost forgot what I was recording. <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: like, what am I doing here again? <laughs> so, uh,
1: what, uh, what, what podcast is this one? Which which one is this one? Uh, I guess we only have the one podcast on the go right now. Yeah, although I would like to reapproach Curtis because I noticed his uh, Marvel podcast is epic Marvel podcast is up and running again. Yeah, and we have an unaired episode. We do. The yeah, Star I'm Wars episode. Talk to him about that. And I still have that copy of 2010: uh, The Year We Made Contact. Uh, is that the one that my copy? I thought. Didn't we have this conversation? I feel like it either was right, your copy. Right, right. I need to check. Or wasn't? Um,
0: and uh, you know what? I've also been thinking about. Was that pizza? Always. i always. Always pizza.
1: pizza. Not
0: yet. I'm not ready yet. But you know, maybe reviving the check-in the gate podcast. Whoa. Yeah, it's been a, it's been dormant for a long time. Uh, uh, years. Yeah, but uh, but I because well I kind of feel that way every time I upload an episode onto YouTube
1: because mm-hmm.
0: I'm just like oh man I kind of miss doing this. You just, just uploaded uh wings recently, did you not? Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. So, but you know, d- d- then again I I have to weigh the the desire to do it with the um with the realization also that I don't know when I'm going to have the time to do it. <laughs> so that that's the issue. Yeah, you're a busy man. Yeah, you're a busy yeah. man. Well, I, oddly enough. Um yeah, I mean cuz again, this this episode's long overdue. I guess I guess kind of just kind of kept forgetting to to schedule to do it.
1: In yeah. fairness, yeah. It wound up being more intimidating than i thought it was gonna it be. is a bit
0: of a, a daunting discography
1: and uh, i mean i guess we'll get we'll get into why in a bit but it has been a few months now and so we apologize but um <laughs> i can't believe it. Yeah, I that is every, yeah. Yeah. Like, every time yeah and
0: every time we're like don't worry we're gonna totally get this back on track and on schedule and then, then, <laughs> then we're like all right let's do this band and then we look and like oh this band has 20 albums <laughs> <laughs> Oh no!
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, interestingly, just as a as a tangent, but related, Andrew, who is impossible with music, uh, legitimately. I although when he when he is passionate about a band, well,
0: that's just that's great, just it. Because I don't know if you know this, he's been texting me trying to get me to listen to that uh, this band Creo, right? Yeah, and and yeah. he he wants updates, and I'm like mm-hmm. I'm like I'm like he, he wants me to rate every song. <laughs> oh wow! And I'm, and I I'm, no and, and I'm like. <laughs> I, I don't know if I can rate them, man. I, I don't know if I don't have that in me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> rate
1: each song. But yeah. uh but I can
0: I can tell you that when I if I like it,
1: I can I can tell you that much. Yeah, well I was just about to say in that like, you know, I tried introducing him to other electronic bands as well. I mean he used to love Daft Punk and basically a live 90s no a live uh, two thousand seven was like the only thing like off my iPod he would listen to. But uh he's really into this this uh, electronic artist, Creo, and to be honest, I think the bands that we're covering today—my God, Creo owes everything <laughs> to these guys. I would think. I would say you know Andrew likes that
0: kind of that Creo's music. I think you should check out uh, IHF mm-hmm. and Bonobo. Now IHF, we heard a Sasquatch, didn't we? Yeah? we did. Yeah, it was and uh, very nice. And Bonobo yeah. it seemed like a nice. Uh, yeah, that's right. There. Yeah, yeah, I forgot Bonobo was at the same Sasquatch.
1: Like I found IHF because of Sasquatch. I knew Bonobo yeah. before that um i have one of their albums on vinyl it's it's lovely stuff it's great and actually to be honest there's uh one of the ads that we play here on the station uses uh bonobo as a backing track oh you know it (laughs) yeah that's the one that's the one
0: yeah yeah
1: but because it's 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 really good stuff and uh but it's very accessible as well but i can't necessarily say that for this week's band, necessarily, but maybe. (laughs) Doug, who are we covering this week? Today, we are talking about Underworld. Not the Underworld movie series with vampires and werewolves. That's right. Not, yeah, uh, yeah, not the, Kate Beckinsale, the- mm-hmm. Kate Beckinsale wearing tights Underworld. Yeah, um, yeah.
0: But! Yeah.
1: <laughs> but the bat. But, that being said, they did take their name from a movie. Because way oh. back in the day, vocalist Carl Hyde, keyboardist Rick Smith, formed a band called Screen Gems, which was heavily inspired by both reggae and craft work, which sounds like dub. To me? Mm. Or dubtronic? What's what's the more the more accepted label for the genre? I usually hear dub. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's sort of the electronic reggae stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, I hear dub. Usually. So they joined up with drummer Brian Burrows and Alfie Thomas on bass, and they formed a new wave band called Fruer. And Fruer scored the movie Underworld. Or is the movie called Transmutations? And the answer is, it depends where you live and where, and where it was released. By all accounts, it is a terrible movie. Oh. Yeah. But you haven't seen it? No, I have even, I even attempted to look up uh, just trailers for it on YouTube. And I found a couple uh, foreign language dubs of it. Montrez-moi vos montrez Montrez-moi. Montrez-moi. <laughs> l'horreur au futur. Grâce à Clive Barker sappelle Transmutation. Steven Burkeoff, uh, who was the Russian general in the James Bond movie Octopussy is in it and I think honestly he's the quote unquote big name. <laughs> the, 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 one of the guys from Octopussy. Yeah, one right? of the, one of the villains not the main villain from Octopussy, not the villain's henchman from Octopussy, but the villain by association. Gotcha.
0: Is probably in my so opinion it, the big name. It, it's not exactly a big budget picture, is what
1: you're saying. Yeah, but interestingly enough, Clive Barker wrote the screenplay to Underworld slash Transmutations. Clive Barker. Yeah, Clive Barker. Which he uh, a, a, that's um, Hellraiser. It's the Hellraiser guy.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. And by all accounts, he hated the end product. That happens sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In fact, I feel like um, he's a writer. Mm-hmm. I feel like you wrote if, the screenplay, yeah. If anything, uh, if he had a certain vision in mind, he's probably the one who hates the movie the most.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, you know, you know how writers are. Well, there's two. There's two possibilities. Mm-hmm. A, he hates it because he he's insecure about his own his own capabilities as a writer because uh, writers can be very insecure. Oh yeah, yes, yes. Um And that's not necessarily me saying that he is a bad writer. i should be saying that maybe he, or he thinks he's an awesome writer and
1: that somebody butchered his script. <laughs> so either way, he probably hates the movie. Or both, you know, <laughs> okay. or maybe you know he's watching the actors do their thing, and he's just like, "Oh God, these people are terrible." <laughs> I mean, uh, wasn't that guy an Octopussy. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know, but anyway, and also, and also, Octopussy. What a name! I really like. It's that's one where like
1: I can't believe that. We People were just allowed to say that going to, into a movie theater. I, I think it's the connotations now are stronger mm-hmm. than they were at the time. Because okay. Octopussy is actually a poker hand. That's my little Octopussy. <laughs> and on top of that, it is an Ian Fleming, like is an actual Ian Fleming title. Pocket 8s. Pocket 8s. is also called Snowmen, Infinities, or Octopussy. So Pocket 8s. But after they screened it, they decided to go in a different direction. Even though Fruer was actually kind of working out for them, and they brought on bassist Baz Allen to form Underworld. But going forward, this iteration of Underworld is known as Underworld MK One because it's the first, the the first version of Underworld, Right. Um, and practically, uh, practically a completely different band for all intents and purposes. Um, but. By the same token, it might be a little unfair to say that. Uh, so the Gents from Cardiff, which is in Wales. Before we get into our first album, though, these guys started in the late 80s. So that means that uh, we're looking uh, for the Six Degrees from
0: King Crimson. In an ancient tongue for the court of the Crimson. If this is your first time on the show. Uh, the concept of this little piece is to illustrate that, um, for the late sixties, seventies, and eighties. I I theorize that every band within six degrees has a connection to the band King Crimson because those guys have their musical tendrils all over the place. Mm-hmm. And I did find it actually with Carl Hyde. Uh, this is the most direct direct link. Oh yeah, he's he again one of the founding members, the vocalist mm-hmm. Carl Hyde. And is one of the ones who actually stuck with the band the whole time. And uh, he is—he uh, made an album with Brian Eno. <laughs> so, <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> what really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What um, album was it? Uh, Someday World from 2014, and also and High Life. And High Life.
1: Oh, from the same year. So t- he did two albums then with Brian Eno. And how does Brian Eno connect with King Crimson?
0: Well, actually, in a many a way, in that Brian Eno. Worked with Talking Heads on the same album that Edwin Ballou, a uh, guitarist, mm-hmm. uh, who is a guitarist and singer in King Crimson. Was that um, Remain in Light? That was Remain in Light, yes. Yeah. But more directly even than that is that uh, Brian Eno has released multiple albums with Robert Fripp. So many. Um, yeah. And and also worked with Fripp uh, on David Bowie albums and stuff like that. So The connection between King Crimson and Brian Eno is, is very... Is, there's, there's a lot of connections there. So So there you go. Boom. Gribby. That easy, that easy. I was, I was expecting to have a harder time with it, but there we go. That's very direct. That's
1: five minutes well spent. <laughs> All right, let's get to that first album, February 16th, 1988. Shockingly, 88. Underneath the radar, we have who I assume is uh, Carl Hyde, wearing know. a very silly hat and silly goggle-ish glasses, with yeah. a silly smile on his face. He looks kind of like a kind of like a steampunk villain. I was I gonna say like uh, uh, some kind of cowboy at a weird rodeo. I
0: don't
1: know. Oh uh, yeah, I guess uh, like yeah. a demented rodeo. Yeah, the demented rodeo. Dementors rodeo. Interesting enough, <laughs> Rhino, they had an interesting article, not long but interesting, on this first on this first album, and they said that this album was recorded in one live session. They just went into the studio and recorded it live. And yeah. away they went. And this is further verified by when they were touring, uh, they would basically just play the album start to finish and just just pick it up and go. And yeah, go. yeah, quite a, quite a feat. Yeah. Now, now, Doc, the genre for this album and the next one, they both mentioned that these are in part synth pop albums. I don't hear it. It's got kind
0: of new wavy aspects to it, but it's, it's kind of a a little hard to pinpoint. I feel like it's, it's in a weird uh, transitional, like it's, it's kind of moving away from the synthy synth pop stuff of the, of the earlier Mm eighties. But, uh, I guess what
1: would, what would you call it? (sighs) See, they weren't really using the, the genre label alternative at the time. So that would be kind of a um, I think in the late eighties.
0: Well, uh, I think of when I think of really early alternative, I think of, um, REM. Yeah. Yeah. And they came they they, they came out in like 82 or something like that. Or no, 83 I think was their first album. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I mean, I may, I don't know what people are calling it alternative, but that's what I when I think of like really early
1: alternative, that's what I think of. Yeah, them, that's fair. them and like maybe the Smiths. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Here's here's what I get. I feel like the vocal stylings are very Depeche Mode, that's vocal stylings. I can see that. But I feel the instrumentation for this and the next album were very, uh, very much uh, like in excess, but kind of a poor man's in excess. <laughs> uh, okay. no i just i mean uh this album in particular underneath the radar i i thought was really good but they didn't quite have the hooks that you know in excess can have some some pretty dandy hooks so in excess has got the, these hooks but i feel like these guys are kind of riding on on that the late 80s rock sound yeah i, I that's it i'm gonna just say late late 80s rock i did i did note that it, it felt very of its time mm-hmm. um like there was, there was no question to me that this was late 80s. This was before Grunge, but this was after after New Wave, I felt. And just, just kind of stuck in there. Also, something that's uh, worth noting, uh, produced by Rupert Hine, who also produced Rush and Saga. I love Saga. Uh, Tina Turner, The Fix, and many others along those lines. But all those acts also, Rush kind of danced the line a little, or are kind of also of their time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That being said, I think Hyde's vocals are pretty good. I think I think he's got a, a good strong voice. But uh, for my my impressions of the album as a whole, I actually really enjoy this album. I like that sort of the you know synthesized organ sound on mm-hmm. Rubber Ball. I, I, the title track I think is great. But then by the time we get to Pray, uh, which is the second to last track, I was just like, oh god, yawn. Um, so it's not by no no means like a fantastic album, but I think it's a pretty pretty good album, especially especially if they recorded it in one live. In one live session, then, you know, amazing kudos for them. Because, I mean, let's be honest, they were probably losing a bit of steam near the end anyway. I mean, how can you not, right? Well, I gotta say, I mean, uh, when I went into, the, you know, this underworld
0: uh, undertaking, I was not expecting this no. uh, to be the beginning of the band. But honestly, I also enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, the bass really thumps all through the album, it's got swagger, it's got attitude. And it's it's generally generally a very fun album, which I I really appreciate. Uh, and I, although I am left wondering, uh, just um, based on the name of the tracks, although I didn't really hear, it, although I'm not like the best at paying attention to the lyrics, but sure, uh, like like are there religious undertones in this? Because I see glory, glory, pray, and the God song all in there. And I, I haven't really I have really taken the time to like look through the lyrics, but I'm like, I'm like is there like a a theme in there? Because it just really feels like. There's, I don't know. It just seems like there is. Um, seems to be really imply, but again, I, I don't know for sure. Uh, but I, honestly, I think it's, it's a solid album and a real delight. Like I think it's got a really nice, like bouncy energy. Um, so I, I, I like it. I enjoy Underworld's first album, Underneath the Radar. <laughs> Would you believe though, it did not sell very well. I, uh, I, I, yeah, I guess, I guess that's probably why I don't hear about it too much.
1: <laughs> it was, it was not a particularly It's not a particularly big thing. But the very next year, we get to, and I think on the cover art here for Change the Weather, is that Carl Hyde as well? No, it's still kind of a cowboy getup. Yeah, this one definitely. He's sort of like the uh, almost the rhinestone. It's like he took off the
0: hat and the glasses, and now he's like, okay, well, let's get serious. Let's get serious about this. Fourth
1: of September, 1989, produced. This time produced by Rick Smith himself. Rick mm-hmm. Smith is just like you know what I'm taking. I'm taking the reins. I'm gonna. Uh, I'm. I'm gonna get on up and uh, get on it. He's gonna grab the bull by the horns. Oh, again, I feel this is rock of its time, pre-grunge, uh, pre-grunge. So it's almost it's almost a little pretty. The rock is a little pretty. Mm-hmm. Again, huge in excess vibes, especially on the especially on this one. But again, the poor man's in excess because I don't feel the hooks are really there. Uh, their biggest American hit ever. Is off this album, Stand Up. And it was number 69 on the nice. billboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, number 14 on the alternative chart. Oh, it was on the alternative charts. So there you go. There you go. They were using the word alternative. There you go. My apologies, everyone. Um, Idiot. And to think, I had written this down too. <laughs> but this, the fact that Stand Up is, to, to date, their biggest American hit is a little bizarre to me. But again, I feel that, uh, I don't know. First of all, I don't think stand-up's even that great, but they, oh man, do they, do they really like have a, have a bad time closing down this album? Because I think Beach is just, is just an absolute slog at just over two minutes. I'm not a fan. It is so underwhelming. Um, But how do you feel about Change the Weather?
0: Well, I feel like it's very much the same as the last album, uh, or the same vein. uh Definitely the same vein. But it's it's more than ten minutes shorter, so it's it's I, it's kind of hard to say much more than that. It's not bad enough to be a nail in the coffin, but it's also not really good enough that one assumes that there will be a prosperous future for the band. It's like cool. So what else you got? <laughs> so um, so yeah. I mean, and you know, I I do feel like that's that's kind of what you get as a band is you you can kind of do the same thing once. Mm. It's like it's like okay, you got a, you got your album, you got your follow up. The follow up can be as similar as you want it to, but after that, what are you gonna? What do you got for us? Yeah, I mean, it sounds negative, but like the album is enjoyable enough. I guess it's 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 just I can already see that the band in this incarnation are just running out of ideas. But my favorites are Mercy, uh, it's full of synth and silliness, and Soul Survivor because it has a really cool guitar and uh, and really cool uh, synth stuff going on in there too. So. I guess maybe when they were leaning more into the new wave, uh, that's when I liked it the most. So it's not like, it's not like, uh, I'm not saying like, don't listen to that album. It's, it's just like, it's, it's a waste <laughs> of time. It's just like, it's just more of the same. So if you like the first album, you like that one, but I just don't think it's as good as the first one. Yeah. So I, agree. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, also it's short. That's, <laughs> so, that's true. So like, that Emily, is not something you can and, claim
1: for any of their al- other albums. <laughs>
0: This is also we'll get into that. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so there you go. I guess that's uh, that's what I got to say. Change the weather.
1: I, I guess they didn't change the weather very much from the first album. Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Underworld went on tour, had terrible sales. Sire Records dropped them. The All end. Right. Underworld just they died. alright thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs> but. But... A couple things happened. First of all, uh, Carl Hyde and Rick Smith kind of stayed together, uh, doing just the occasional remix, doing the occasional occasional tracks. Pick, pick. They, uh, they teamed up with uh, a DJ, Darren Emerson, and created a little project called Lemon Interrupt.
0: Mm-hmm. Very you know, sour, actually, you know, sour project. Well,
1: now that I say it out loud, it almost sounds like Lemmy Interrupt. Like, Le- let, me, inter- let me interrupt. Lemon oh, interrupt. Let me interrupt. Yeah. Let me inter- I don't know if that's intentional. But that but it might be. It could be. Now it that I'm saying like, it out yeah, loud. Let me interrupt. Let me interrupt. Then 1991 comes around. And the two gents and a host of uh, a few half dozen other artists, both audio and visual, formed Tomato, a graphic arts company. I sure it wasn't Tomato. It could have been Tomato. You can still, to this day, go because they are still doing advertisements they create commercials uh if you want to like make cover art or anything along those lines or like design design sign these this is it is a graphic arts company and uh you can check out their studio work they have a ton of awards tons and tons of awards some of their clients include uh, adidas bmw canon cnn coca-cola ford hitachi uh l'oreal lexus nike reebok well some of these those are um these are these are uh, companies that can really pay the bills. Well, that's just it. These are high high profile, a uh, Sony PlayStation, high profile stuff. And basically, they they just design whether you want, you know, uh, advertisements like on a billboard. You know, um, yeah, they will they will draw you up a really cool looking billboard if you want. Uh, yeah, they've got an example here of you know just a uh, uh, Okinawa, Okinawa, Japan. They got a little ad campaign for them and stuff. You know, so they invested heavily into this tomato slash. Tomato uh, projects is starting in 91, and they're still going strong. But that's not what we're particularly interested in. Uh, go uh, check out the show notes for Tomato or Tomato and uh, look at their portfolio. It's pretty impressive stuff. Let's just call the whole thing off. <laughs> yes, let's. <laughs> <Okay>. Because... <laughs> They started getting together, putting together some tunes. They decided, you know what? We are going to put out an LP, but it's not going to be Lemon Interrupt. No, we're bringing back the name Underworld. And in January 1994, they released the album Dub Knob Ass with My Head, man. I thought it was Dub No Bass. (laughs) uh,
0: uh, Dub 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 Knob. I mean, I don't know. I don't know
1: for sure. No, it's it's definitely dub no bass, <laughs> But still, the thing is it's just one-long dub, one long dub long knob <laughs> ass. Dub knob ass with my with head. With my head, man. It's just one lawn. it's just like Are one you sure long it's on he ad man. He, <laughs> he 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 ad man. Well, yeah, because they do advertising. Yeah. So he, <laughs> he ad man. He, he's yeah. the ad man. Dub knob <laughs> ass with my he ad man. <laughs> <laughs> that makes perfect sense. I'm I'm done with it. That's <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> 1994 stylized dub go based with my head man apparently it had to do with someone misreading uh, the uh, the uh, a title of a cassette tape or something like that uh, i don't know the full story and i didn't particularly get one but we got some very busy cover art it's uh probably designed by tomato um you mean tomato <laughs> 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 oi uh yeah and uh, i mean now things are stupendously stupendously different they uh They recorded in the Lemon World Studios and the Strong Room, both in uh, in London. And I wonder if the Lemon World Studios is is like one of their like their studio because, you know, Lemon Interrupt. Or maybe maybe there's something else going on. I don't know. But uh, yes, this was self-produced by. Now, this is the thing you got to watch out for this. Some of the albums are produced by Underworld and some of the albums are produced by Rick Smith. So I think there is a distinction. Well, I mean, there is a distinction because it depends, you know, on who gets the credits and who gets the royalties, right? Like, I would assume that would be be an an important one. I mean, I guess they felt it was important enough that they wanted to distinguish it. There's an immediate shift in tone to what was popular in the clubs. And... (laughs) (laughs) just like that (laughs) and but they still dabble a little bit with uh, experimental rock music particularly with both Ton and Dirty Epic Dirty Epic being one of the singles how interesting is it that they dodged the grunge scene like because if they tried to really sound like this in 91
0: Mm.
1: I don't think it would have taken off Um, Uh,
0: yeah it's hard to say I think I think um, 91 in the dance scene it was there's a I just don't think dance music was ready for what Underworld had to offer. No. It was all very silly. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I just think of really early nineties club hits and they're all like, they're all very
1: silly, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, let us not go to the club. Tis a silly place. Mm-hmm.
0: Pump up the jam, pump it up.
1: up. You know, In like, the ball, dance now. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Bam, uh, you know, and and not that I don't like that stuff because uh, you know sometimes it's exactly what you need.
1: It's all but, good <laughs>
0: Yeah. So, but uh, but it's it's not what Underworld. It, it is not what Underworld does. Sure. But
1: they dodge all that. They managed to go go come out in '94 and and miss a lot of that, a lot of that stuff, and, and uh, I, I I almost want to say more refined. And while it was more refined than some of the early '90s stuff, some of it does sound uh, fairly rudimentary compared to electronica now. But it's also there is a lot of skill and refinement still put in. Regardless. It's kind of a weird spot to put in, and I've noticed this in a lot of the songs throughout their careers that they kind of start off in sort of like a, oh, I could have made this in GarageBand sort of thing, where bleep, 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 but they don't they don't rest on those they continue to build and make things more and more interesting and right from the get-go here with this album uh they're already showcasing that uh and so i find this album to be consistently very good and pretty solid Uh, especially for for a a geez i mean you know uh what do you call it house do you call it techno do you call it electronica i find it kind of blurs the line between all of them Mm mm-hmm yeah uh, I'm trying to imagine what it'd be like if I was
0: one of the few underworld fans from mm. the, from the eighties, <laughs> cause you said the, the album sold very poorly, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm sure they had, I'm sure they had some hardcore fans cause, um, you know, everyone does. Yeah. Maybe. Um, <clears throat> to transition, let's say into like this, it just must have been a shock. It's like, it's like, I, I wonder, I wonder what the reaction would have been like, would have been really angry, mm. would have been, um. Or just like just sort of excitement just due to the fact that the underworld is back and making music I don't know I guess I guess opinions probably varied, <laughs> but uh this may as well just have been a new first album as far as uh, I, I guess you can kind of look at it
1: like that it is a oh yeah no, this is the beginning <clears throat> of underworld mk2
0: yeah so it's it is a it's a different it's a different incarnation. And they more or less hit the ground running. Uh, through "Dark and Long" is a very successful, moody first track. Oh, there you go. That totally makes sense when I say it out loud. Uh, <laughs> mm, "Skyscraper, I Love You" is a good percentage of the album. It's very long, <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And fortunately, it goes through a lot of movements, which, uh, uh, which is, uh, I guess, as you were saying, it, 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 it's it's not just kind of like. You know, plug in this sound, plug in this sound, plug in this. Sound. It actually goes through movements, which is which is important. It keeps it keeps it interesting. Uh, the last movement has uh, a sound in it that sounds like it's pulled straight from Donkey Kong Country. You know, <laughs> did, did anyone else notice that? I, I feel. Why
1: did Donkey Kong Country come out? Nineteen
0: ninety-four. Interesting enough. Interestingly enough, yeah, but I, I think at the tail end of the year.
1: It's time for Christmas. That would make Spoon sense.
0: Spoonman, uh, what are they saying? I don't. Uh, there's, there's one, there's one track in the uh, Spoonman. I, I just, I can't figure out what it is. Is it axe to grind, out to dry, Alex the guy? Could be anything. But anyways, it's got a nice beat though. Overall, uh, a decent amount of variety in the album and some catchy tunes. If not a bit overlong, I'd come back to it for sure. Uh, but only on occasion because it is a bit of a marathon of an album. And uh, Teenage Doug would have eaten this up for sure. <laughs> yeah, Genius Doug would have loved this album so
1: it is actually three different lyrics watched you cry watched you fly watched you die
0: Ooh. so scary so that, anyways, that's those are my thoughts
1: so no axe yeah. to grind okay yeah I don't see uh-huh. uh, <clears throat> I see a nice bikini mm. uh, don't put your hand where you wouldn't put your face oh my there's, <laughs> there's, a no of, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of there okay yeah, I don't know well <laughs> okay yeah uh, so all in all very very impressed then in early 96 we'll say well we'll start with kind of late 95 there was a single released called Born Slippy uh, now this was uh, not going to be included on their next album but then in early 96 um, there was a little movie that came out a Danny Boyle film and that movie was called Train Spotting. What's on the menu this evening, sir? The
0: dodgiest scam in a lifetime of dodgy scams. Right, that's the one where he spots the train.
1: He, he he's just sitting there and he's just watching. It's all really train. Yeah, there's one after the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And heroin. Uh, yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, well, you got to shoot up if you spend your whole time mm-hmm. watching trains. Yeah, there are three tracks by Underworld, but the thing is, is that they're not together because. <laughs> The first soundtrack for Train Spotting was outrageously successful. Mm. Stupendously. And that one was February 96. And that was stupendously successful. And it included the Born Slippy dot Nux song on it. It was so successful that several months later, in July of 96, they released a second soundtrack album for Train Spotting, which, aside, like you don't really see very much.
0: Uh, I you, you might see, uh, I mean, it used to be more so than it is now, but, uh, like the score mm-hmm. and then songs inspired by, or songs in the, in the, in the actual, uh, movie. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, one of the weirdest ones is, is with those songs, songs inspired by is that some of them were, uh, not in the movie mm-hmm. and they were just some in, in an album that was like marketed for the movie.
1: And it, I always thought that was really dumb. And we are going to get into that. Very oh. shortly. Okay, cool. Because there's more of that. But anyways, on the train spotting the second train spotting soundtrack album is the Dark Train edition of Dark and Lawn. And the Darren Price remix of Born Slippy Dotnucks. And again, this second train spotting soundtrack album sold outrageously well. Now, Doug, I haven't actually seen Train Spotting. Does oh. does Train Spotting have a lot of pop music actually in the
0: movie? Admittedly, it's been a long time since I've watched it. Uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if yeah, there's probably a lot. There's probably a lot. I, I it seems like there's a lot of clubs and stuff like that. So uh, I I can't think of anything specific because it's been like it, it has been a really long time since I've seen the movie. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's two albums worth of
1: music in there. So now because. These two soundtrack albums sold outrageously well. Outrageously well. During that same year, coincidentally, their album Second Toughest in the Infants was released. It was released right in between them, March 11th, 1996. And as such, sales for this album were very high. They did very, very well. Not their best, but they did very well. Uh, Again, self-produced by Underworld. The title, Second Toughest in the Infants, refers to one of their, like, nephews or something. Rick Smith's nephew, uh, he was asked how he was doing at infant school, which is basically a type of elementary school uh, for uh, four- to seven-year-old kids. And he said uh, that he was the second toughest in the school. So he was the (laughs) second toughest in the infants. I wonder if that was true. (laughs) Uh, Anyways. I'm going to say second, because if I say first toughest... They're not going to believe me. No, no one's going to believe me. I'm okay. going to say second. Okay. Uh, to be honest, I think that this album is so outrageously good. Uh, what it, like if you listen to the trains, you've never heard of Underworld before. You listen to the Train Spotting soundtrack, you're like, hey, I like the sound of these guys. And you went out, and you're like, oh, they've got a new album. On. You listen to it, you're not going to be disappointed. Honest to God, this is a a phenomenal album. It's possibly my favorite uh, by them. And you even get this song "Pearls Girl" about halfway through the album. Push in ten minutes, but not the longest track. Um that's, uh, that is like almost I would say like the stereotypical club track. It's like it's like everything you would imagine a super heavy club track in the mid nineties to be. It's got all those elements, and I think it succeeds wildly at it. And then and then to be honest, it's got a nice wind down uh, from Airtowel through Stagger. Fantastic, fantastic wind down. Uh, so this is like. One of the first times I've been super happy with how they close out an album. Uh, Born Slippy is not included on the original release, but with uh, anniversary re releases and deluxe editions and stuff, they they s- stick it in. So, here's um, the, uh, it, the interesting thing I, I, you probably noticed with Spotify Spotify has got like every version of like the albums, <laughs> Spotify is very busy. Mm-hmm. um they're mm-hmm. like oh here's the deluxe uh no here's the deluxe remaster uh here's the deluxe remaster anniversary edition and it's like oh my god yeah so big big thumbs up for me how did you feel
0: uh i thought uh, starting with the track that long is pretty ballsy oh yes uh 16 minutes and uh, 16 and a half minutes and it's sort of like a is it it's a it's a statement of hey sit through this and you can sit through anything And then the second track is about as long, Uh, just a little shorter, and boom, half an hour is (laughs) done. It's uh, uh, worth it, I guess. uh, Depends on what you're doing. This music is great if you're dancing, and um, also, and as background music if you're web surfing. I discovered it's pretty good background music. I may also
1: say uh, doing chores. Okay, doing chores is good to have on.
0: I will say that the second track, band style slash uh, sappys sappy's curry is more my vibe than the first track i really love the synth sound and all the quiet details within pearl's girl uh looks based on plays to be the big track um and i can hear why it's very bold and confident with a great beat and uh and the synths and the synths Mm. Um, but the album as a whole it's not like it's it's uh it's got a lot of good moments but i I don't know if I. Put it as one of my favorites. I don't know. Ma- ma- sometimes it also just depends on the mindset you're going in. I-, I guess it feels a bit uneven from the like the fact that the 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 front of the album is so top heavy. <laughs> it's it's just like it's, it's just it's a lot to take in just those two tracks. But it's it's long. It's also pretty long. But yeah, definitely some really good um, some really good tunes. I really like that second track
1: quite a bit. That's ninety seven. 1997, we, we had an interesting film release called Batman and Robin. I want a car.
0: Chicks dig the car.
1: This is why Superman works alone.
0: Oh, were they? <laughs> did they contribute to Batman and Robin? Yes,
1: they did. <laughs> oh,
0: I, I must have missed that part. Uh, they actually did a lot. Actually, I, uh, I was going to be like, wait a minute, I've heard that soundtrack, and then I'm like, oh wait, no, that was the Batman Forever soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. The um, Batman Forever soundtrack was actually kind of a big deal. Mm-hmm. If you, if you can, you can find it in any thrift store. <laughs> yeah. It's one. Of, it's one of those thrift store mainstays is the batman and forever soundtrack but.
1: now the batman and robin music from and inspired by batman and robin the motion picture right uh, actually sold very well as well and was actually rated very highly but i'm going to admit something right here and right now i think it's hot garbage um <laughs> <laughs> really okay. Now, i didn't now, listen to it uh, no uh... maybe hot garbage is, is a bit of an overstatement but it's all over the place now i like that it opens and ends Uh, with Smashing Pumpkins with The End is the Beginning is the End and The Beginning is the End is the Beginning I actually did that on my show on on Pride Rock Alley and I love those two songs and the contrast between them that's great Oh, is that the that those two songs specifically? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. One's uh one's a typical Smashing Pumpkins song, and the other one is uh, is that orchestral. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a remix, right? Yeah, yeah. It Also used uh, in the Watch Watchman trailer. But if you go through this, this soundtrack makes no sense. I'm and seeing here Google dolls, REM, Bone Thugs and Harmony. Bone Thugs and Harmony, um, R. Kelly Oh no. Oh no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay first off, you start with the end as the beginning and the, is the end, which is a great song. And then you get into Look Into My Eyes and Gotham City. And let me tell you right now, if you haven't checked out of this album, you're a stronger man than I, because those two songs are terrible. Bone Thugs and Army. I don't hate
0: Bone Thugs and Army, but I, I guess the song, I haven't heard the song. I can't speak for it. Uh, yeah. But uh, that I did listen to that actually very oddly, coincidentally, very recently. I, I just kind of checked out that album that um, Crossroads... Uh, came off
1: of see you at the crossroads so you won't be lonely okay
0: and okay and, and okay Steve doesn't know what I'm talking about <laughs> um, but that, that was their big hit anyway it's not like the, a great album but I, I, I do really like that single but um, but I okay yeah okay now uh, uh, <laughs>
1: Revolution is one of the hardest songs R.E.M.'s ever done. Okay, fine. Lazy Eye by Google Do- Goo Dolls is also one of the heaviest songs they've ever done. Oh, Wedged right between them. Oh. Right between them is Foolish Games by Jewel. And if you're thinking, oh, maybe, Steve, it's like a, a remix or something that's, you know, a little more upbeat. No, it is not. <laughs> Which one's Foolish Games? These foolish games oh, are... Tearing me, tearing me, tearing me apart. Tearing I'm sorry. Me apart. <laughs> oh God, I jumped the gun there. Yeah. Now, Fun For Me is a great track by Maloko, but it's actually one of their, their kind of like lower energy songs. Um, oh, Soul Coughing, too. Yeah. "Moner" by Underworld is pretty, is pretty good. Do you know um Soul Coughing? Walk around
0: in circles,
1: walk around yes. in
0: circles. Yes. Yeah, yeah, that, I, that, I, I think that, yeah. I think that was from right around that era. Yeah yeah Soul Coughing actually is kind of cool I, I don't mind them but it's know.
1: it's just it's just this as, as an album it doesn't freaking work well um, I mean it, it if, is if you're saying if you're saying as a as a compilation for an action movie atrocious <laughs> <laughs> atrocious uh, I think of uh, God Doug I just got to go back to the Tomb Raider soundtrack uh, <laughs> and I use I use that as my benchmark and uh, it's just it's just this this does this is just rubbish. It just did not work for me. Uh, a few good songs in there, yes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It was just. It was just. It was just silly. So uh, and there's only one well, track well, by Underworld again, Mooner, and that's.
0: I can't really contribute any opinions on this other than uh, see some of those bands look pretty good, but but I I, I haven't heard the song so yeah. I do kind of want to hear that. If you're talking
1: to a heavy R.E.M. track, wouldn't mind checking that out. Now that being said, it's. Uh, it's still an REM track, so. The, right but right I listened right. to it and I was expecting uh, something a little a little. Uh, I don't want to say down-tempo, but it, it was a fairly energetic REM track. Okay, cool. Know, so.
0: Um, I mean, it, it does sound like. I mean, you know me, Steve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Building a good playlist
1: is an important thing in life. Uh, hell yeah! <laughs> Speaking of good playlists, let's see if I can activate it. One second. Oh, share it. Well, methods and. All that jazz, and so I don't hey. actually have any evidence that it uploaded. And I noticed that the ah. archives are a little behind. Excellent. So, it's uh, so I'm going to trust that you guys managed to hear last week's awesome episode. I'm, I'm having faith with that. Uh, Doug actually created Greg, the playlist. This, it's yeah, a, yeah, uh, no, it's my show. Conference. is broadcasting live right now. We were going to do yeah. a very special episode. We're going to be looking at uh, a couple experimental oh, it's genres on once there, that, too. Uh, although kind oh, of yeah. kicked off in the '80s, have become very prominent. Yeah, especially in this last decade. And those genres are referred to as Plunderphonics and Vaporwave. They're That's the Plunderphonics Vaporwave playlist. The sort of and lines. the track in the uh, background, Instead of the Usual 21st Century Schizoid word Man, word is, is a Paul White uh, here's, here's uh, a um, a sample. Um, and I've forgotten the name of, of basically it. I don't know Yeah, but I love, whenever I play an experimental playlist, I like putting so that one in instead of the Usual 21st Century about Schizoid Man. The sound of um, but yeah, that's that's me yakking on and on. But uh, I'm going to be posting this episode movie, if you're at all curious. The- um, I'm going to be posting that episode in the show notes. I guess I'll do it in the show notes. Sweet. I'm just delighted that it's actually airing. <laughs> all right, let's stop talking about Batman and Robin. Yeah, that you was know, a tension okay. that I was not expecting to be honest. Yeah, I okay, <laughs> Batman Forever because like the Batman Forever, there's both the score yeah. and the soundtrack. So they they did that thing that, like you were mentioning. Uh, is the like as the soundtrack um I, I there's songs on here that i really like but i haven't i haven't listened to it i mean they got massive attack and the, the massive attack song is good that uh pj
0: harvey song i think is really good okay uh, confession time i i am in, in the minority i do not like kiss from a rose it's, i actually do like it i'll be honest uh I like it's it. i mean i don't hate i don't dislike seal i i think his song crazy is awesome yeah! Oh yeah! Yeah! yeah. Uh, and especially with that that Tony Levin bass in there.
1: Oh God! Yeah. Doo, doo, doo,
0: doo. Oh, beautiful! Uh, yeah, I, I just can't get I can't do Kiss from Rose. Who, who else did that? Uh, what else is another one I like? The bad,
1: um, bad days by the Flaming Lips. I didn't know they had a. Oh yeah!
0: It's not it's not top tier Flaming Lips, but it's a little more of the time Flaming Lips. So okay. a, a little more like uh, satellites. Um, or what's that this? A transmission from the satellite love. It sounds kind of yeah. that era of Flaming Lips. Sunday Real Estate. That song's not bad. Um, what's the one that? Oh, that's right. That's the Massive Attack one. It, it features it features the singer from um, Everything But the Girl. Oh, Tracy Tom. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Right. Everything But the Girls. Yeah, it, that's yeah, a that's good cool. One. That's actually that's a really good song. That's I I really like that song. Um, the hunter gets captured by the game. Okay, actually, only about fifty percent of it. I really so, all right um, all right you know no fair enough uh the, i mean and also like it is it is the origin of uh, F- hold me throw me kiss me kill me yes so if you if that which is a it, it is a re- that's a really good youtube track and one of their heaviest so. yes definitely um definitely uh be sure to check that one out but we've we've talked about youtube before we don't need to do that again
1: March 1st, 1999. Um, Recorded again in Lemon, <clears throat> Lemon World Studios, London. Produced not by Underworld, but by Rick Smith. We have Buku Fish. Oui, oui. Buku Fish. Uh, Buku Fish. Okay. I noted, interestingly enough, and this is not the first time they do this, they open up in cups with some acid jazz influences and then never approach it again during the rest of the album. <laughs> And they do that in another album, too, where it's just like they bring in an element. I'm like, that's cool. And they never use they never touch it again. So, I mean, I mean, that's that's fine. If they felt like that was the most they wanted to play with it. Great. This is their best selling album. uh, Having gone gold in many, many, many countries. Uh, All things considered, to be honest, Underworld has had a comfortable sales record, but never a phenomenal sales record. They have never had a platinum album there. I think they're. What one might consider a cult band? Yes, and I think that in part justifies why they have so many releases because, um, like, uh, it's so hard. Um, they've certainly had far more success in the UK. Well, they—they, they, I think they dance with the mainstream, but they yeah. haven't quite gotten. They haven't. They didn't. I don't think they've broken into it. That's just it. I, I, especially the North American market. they they have been very successful in the UK, but mm-hmm. uh, the North American market is you know, much like Jamaica Has seemed oh. to elude them for the most part. Um, I mean, they're, they're an act you will definitely hear in the clubs, but on the radio, no. Even though they release singles and music videos, they've got tons of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so now this is where I would say that they have kind of pushed past techno, um, and or at least what we consider techno, to have a firmer grasp of electronica, maybe progressive house, Um a lot of the sort of the, the techno tropes, they're kind of they're kind of leaving those behind. They're quite experimenting a great, uh, a great um, deal more. Um, so this album, although I didn't quite like it as much as the past one, I found it to be a great look at the evolution of electronica, especially when paired together with the the last ones. You will find Moner is, oh is, oh <laughs> is tacked on. Uh, Moner from the Batman Robin soundtrack is tacked on to the very end oh. here and feels like a mistake uh it feels like they just kind of they wanted that off album track on an album they're like okay well let's let's stick it on the back but it it feels like a step back because it feels like the earlier stuff it doesn't sound like the rest of the album and it definitely doesn't sound like it should be closing an album um and for seven and a half minute track that's um that's not Mm -hmm. an unreasonable assessment i would say um on the whole though pretty good i like that it's got a Push upstairs and push downstairs. It it kind of feels like it feels like there's, there's, they're bringing a little bit more unity and more interesting ideas. And they're, they're, they're wanting to really push, um, push their sound and evolve it and evolve it. And they're, and, uh, so I'd say on the whole, really good. Really good.
0: Uh, I also noted the, uh, the, the jazzy vibe. Uh, I wrote down new jazz actually because it reminded me of very early, uh, Saint Germain. But the, the line between new jazz and acid jazz is, pretty thin and really disputable as to where one begins the other ends anyway um because i I think it's just about a a a, a fine like a ratio if anything of electronic (laughs) so um so maybe it's more acid i don't know anyways so it starts off with a very classy lounge vibe almost Mm. yeah so yeah the cups yeah cups is a great opener at least uh at first, it it, it has that uh, that kind of loungy vibe, but then it does it, it kind of um, starts to, to really take a journey, and it it, it I say that it uh, it goes full matrix techno near the end, <laughs> but it's a nice journey. I actually like it. Next, all track is Jumbo, which is one of the most listened to tracks on Spotify. I
1: think I know now was this the one that had like eleven million, uh, something like that. I yeah, think there was one right. that had like a. Very disproportionate number of listens.
0: I can see why. At times it's uh, it's ethereal. It's uh, it's quite nice. This album is well balanced between the softer sounds and the heavier beats. Um, the song Kittens, I wonder if it is actually inspired by kittens. That's very important <laughs> for me to find out.
1: Oh, uh, no. Um, or if someone has made
0: a video of kittens to this song. Uh, so let me know when the, in uh, the comment section, I think we gotta mm-hmm. take a look. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that goes on a nice journey. That song, uh, some some weird ideas too, like um, push downstairs. The vocalizations are, are are sometimes a little bizarre, but uh, overall, yeah, actually, this album has a has a nice mood and a nice energy, and it actually might be one of my favorites so far. Yeah, I like it. I dig it.
1: You dig it. Oh, I can dig it. I will note that, uh, with the exception of the the first couple albums, um, the critics the critics love Underworld. Like it's because they
0: haven't broken in there because because they're a cult band. The critics are like, yeah, yeah, we yeah. love them, we love them so
1: much. They're so good. They're they they, go, no, yeah. one's gonna, no one's going to find out about yeah, them. You know, they're so they, good. You know, honestly, they're too they're too good. The mainstream will never like them because that's how good they are. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, we, I, I I I like to make fun of people like that. But sometimes I feel that with that. that about, I'm like I'm like ah, oh, these guys aren't gonna catch on. They're way too good. <laughs> so, sometimes, anyway, sometimes. I mean, you know, the, there's nuggets of truth in, in there.
1: But uh, there was a live album called yeah. Everything. Everything. I'm gonna lie, go, I skipped it. Well, right. I mean, I, here's here's how I feel about um, live albums for electronic bands. I kind of feel like I feel like they'd be better in person. You know, like when you're actually there, and yeah. I feel like you lose, you lose something. Like uh, there, I own quite a few well, live—not just
0: electronic albums. I feel that way with a lot of uh, a lot of live albums. Is is um, you know, there's something that just it's it's really hard to capture that. Sure, yeah. It, it, it and I, I like it. Sometimes it works, um, but uh, honestly, like I just I'd prefer to just go to a live show.
1: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. But like I own well, for example. um the uh radiohead live album uh, i might be wrong i think works works fantastic you know but i don't know i I almost feel like 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 the alive albums that daft punk released i feel like kind of dodged the issue because they Mm -hmm. re-blended the songs a little bit
0: yeah well that's the thing i like it best when when the songs are really made um their own in like in a different context I I I guess to be fair, because I didn't listen to everything, everything
1: they may have actually switched things up a bit. Did you listen to it? No, no, that, okay. that's the thing though that <laughs> so, I just I just didn't have the I don't know. It was it was something I was listening to uh I was listening to uh over the radio uh one of chaos's live performance. Mm-hmm. And I was really into it as well. And like I was listening to it and uh and and it was really, really good. And then but then there was a part of me that was just like, Imagine being there, you know? Imagine being being a, a chaos show and and uh, there's you know and and being able to um, feed off that energy and I feel like I feel like with electronica there's kind of more that that needs to be communicated between performer and audience member that can only be done in person I don't know simply because like well because the computer's doing most of the playing really unless you've got like everybody and their sister up there. Anyways, I hope that makes sense. But uh, that was in two thousand, and then come uh, September sixteenth, twenty uh, or two thousand two, a uh, hundred days off, and I feel like I feel like I had tracks from this because this cover art I know I know this cover art, and I feel like I had tracks from it sent to me, but there's none on my iPod currently, so I'm saying hmm, um, <clears throat> hmm, indeed. Well, uh, I, I do I can shed some
0: light on that because I downloaded the song. Um well, why, why am I t- suddenly drawing uh, a To Heal, on? right? No, To Heal's not on this one. Oh, sorry, two months off. Two months off. Yeah, that's the one. And which, notably, two months is not 100 days. No. Nope. That's more like three months and a bit. You know, though the album version is very different from the single version, which is what I listen to. And then, but, but I'll get into that when I get into my review. <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I, I may have put it on your iPod at
1: some point. Or maybe you just saw it on my iTunes or something like that. Hmm. I don't know. I currently cannot... uh, My computer does not connect to my iPod because I now have a Windows machine. And so I'd have to reformat my iPod. It's just dumb. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. It's the dumbest... I will note, uh, by this point, DJ Emerson has left. He has gone to pursue Mm, further mm. DJing sorts of things. I thought he went to go join Emerson Lake and Palmer. Uh... (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, I, I I was I, I don't know what came over me. Uh, was, uh, anyway. Now at this point, they, they could have really they could have disbanded or they could have <laughs> started doing other stuff because I mean it was the inclusion of DJ Emerson that uh, that that uh, kind of gave them some of this uh, successful sound, but they chose to kind of continue in this vein. And honestly, I think by this point. It's, it seems to me that, that they've been able to recapture that sound without having Emerson part of them anymore. I like the buildup on No Move. Uh, like, this is a great way to kick off an album. I mean, it just... Sorry, Mo Move. Okay? Mm-hmm. Mo Move. It's like, it's like Mo Money, Mo Problems. Mo Money, Mo Problems, Mo moving. Mo, mo moving. Uh, yeah, the, this is a phenomenal way to, to kick off the album. And I was immediately, I was immediately like, Yeah, okay, I get it. I'm into this album. Sola system is musically interesting. There's a lot going on in there. Little speaker has again a little bit of that lounge acid jazz influence, but only a little bit, and then it never approached again. Then you've got Trim, a uh, rock country track, and then and then curiously, out of all of them, uh, Luton, the last track. At first, I was like, ah, "Come on, you guys just wrote, just did this mm-hmm. on a computer somewhere, right?" We just a do do do, and but then it builds up and evolves and really takes you on a journey. And by the end of it, it was one of my favorite tracks on the album. Uh, and I was like, wow, you guys took took something really basic and you really crafted something. Unlike the last album where they just kind of st- stuck on an off album track because I guess they just wanted it out there and it didn't, it didn't really match or fit. Luton is a great way to close this album. I was I was a really big fan. Uh, I wound up really enjoying this album and any album with a song called Dinosaur Adventure 3D automatically <laughs> has a thumbs up for me.
0: It's true. It definitely leads a little into harder techno than the last album. I, I personally, I, it's not what I'd call their best. It's a shame because I like, I I kind of went into this one with high hopes because I really like two months off. But even then, actually, well, I get again, I'll get more into that. Well, no, here I'll, I'll get into it right now. Uh, the album track of two months off is uh, frustratingly inferior <laughs> to the video version. Uh, I it, because it 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 does start off very like y and and like. I feel like the the motions it goes through undermine the emotional um, journey of the album, of the song. Um there's so I recommend looking up the music video two months off. I I love to watch that video. That's one of my favorite music videos ever actually. It's a guy who's apparently not moby dancing in in water and it's 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 just this guy kind of just dancing very freeform and very chaotically to the music and I I it's just kind of it's really it's really beautiful in a way. It's it's I, I don't know how to explain it other than like it's just it just it's very pure in the the way he expresses his self through dance and and then there's also the added aspect of like he they he's kind of he's suspended and so there's points where he floats and and i don't I, I just just something about the musical journey of that i guess it set my expectations too high and and then i feel like the 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 album version being like 9 minutes long just undermines what what could have been a much more simple track um and so maybe that's i, I so i, I just want to be a little bit frustrated by that but also it's also not it's also not without its highlights this album it's actually got some really good moments twist is a contemplative track despite its frantic beat it's um as is little little speaker um it's just and with that one i, I just love the little there's like little toy piano dings that i just think added a nice little uh a little personality to the album and I mean, I guess we got to talk about Dinosaur Adventure 3D. <laughs> um, it's, actually, it's actually not a favorite of mine. I was kind of hoping it would be. I just I just really, I wanted to say a lot of really nice things about a song called Dinosaur Adventure 3D. But it's just a little too repetitive and dingy. And so uh, the title wins, but the track is <laughs> not 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 what I'd hoped it'd be. Um, but I don't hate it. I just wish I liked it more. Uh, Ballet Lane is a highlight. And I just wish it was a little bit longer. Actually, I, I, I quite like that one. And with, again, some touches of new jazz just kind of sprinkled in there. Just touches. Okay. So I kind of I'm kind of feeling like um, with what you said on the closer, Mm -hmm. I may have been when I was writing, I was skimming through it a little bit. And maybe I've done it a disservice because I just I said I don't feel much for it.
1: One way or another, so I'm gonna have to give that another try. Definitely, the, um, the journey for that song, I think, honestly, makes it worthwhile. Because again, yeah. I, I didn't start off. I didn't start off a big fan. I did
0: listen to the album as a whole a, a few times, but when I was writing my notes, I was skimming. Mm-hmm. So, so the, and sometimes I'll give with it
1: that this, especially with this genre of music, it can be hard to also associate the songs with the titles. Yeah. Honestly, yeah, yeah. Okay, so now the next thing. Uh, first, there was like a, a compilation album, nineteen ninety two to two thousand two. Hooray! <laughs> there
0: was a, you know, you know it's I I I don't mind that kind of compilation album where it's like, hey, here's ten, here's here's ten years, boom, because it's just it's it's kind of a nice. Uh, well, just like what U2 doing, you two was doing, yes. Know, um, you know, ten years. To, I feel like I prefer that over as a sort of a a best of um, because th- then that gets a little bit. Um, more for subjective. Uh, sure. Where where if it's all the singles from uh, a time period, then it does, it feels a little more like here. here just here's here's
1: like the, here's the facts. These were our singles. Deal with it. It opens on uh, two uh, Lemon Interrupt tracks. So if you're uh, curious about Lemon Interrupts, uh, Big Mouth and Dirty. Well, well then. Then we jump over to uh, the first a musical project. Uh, that they've done because occasionally, uh, well, we'll get into that. But they did an experiment called River Run, and the I like think of think of a running river. You're starting off at some place, and let's say a tributary of some kind, uh, maybe a glacier, and your water's kind of pure. And as the river is running toward towards the ocean, you're passing through. Uh, other streams and other tributaries, uh, cities, under bridges, maybe you're getting a little more polluted. But things are happening to the, mu- to the river as it's finally, as it's going along its, its journey. And if you were to follow the river from point A to point B, it's, it's amazing how things change. And that in no small part is the objective of this project, as it was released, uh, from late 2005 all the way through mid 2006. So, uh, but only through their website, uh, they had, uh, three, three EPs and then they did some, apparently some limited vinyl releases. Mm. So the three projects that they did were, were called lovely broken thing, pizza for eggs. And I'm a big sister and I'm a girl and I'm a princess. And this is my horse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> one of them have a daughter and say like, Hey, what should I
0: call this album? <laughs> well, basically, <laughs> or I guess a couple of daughters. Cause... And
1: it, it's it's fascinating because they, they start with these with these ideas and then they they, they don't quite evolve uh, per se as much as I, I would have thought they would depending on the project I thought they would have started someplace and it would have merged with a different song and that would have merged and but instead you've got just these ideas that they're trying to blast out like here's an idea we have that's very very electronic here's an idea we have that's very noise. You know, here are some ideas and kind of take them or or leave them. And so they're not quite as unified as an album would be, but but just just kind of like the just some experimentation in in ideas that they just kind of wanted to to get out. Songs like Billy Goat, awesome. Back in the Fears, great. Uh, Peggy Sussed, they would reuse that song over the closing uh, the end credits for Sunshine Later and also, I think there's a uh, a uh, Alex Garland penned uh, series called Devs on where did I see it? Oh, through FX, so it's on Disney Plus. And I'm pretty sure they used that song, uh, which is interesting because it's a, it's kind of a it's a kind of an unpleasant song, all things considered. But fascinating, Peggy sussed. Super, super fascinating, but don't go in expecting like a like a dance album or just kind of even a unified album. These are just some interesting musical ideas that they wanted to kind of churn out, and and it was for the fans. It was just like, okay, you gotta go through the website and and here's some ideas that we're going through. Uh, did you get a chance to listen to the River Run project? No, I didn't know it existed. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I I
0: was kind of just going through the Spotify albums, and mm. uh, this isn't on there, so no, it is not because I, it is limited have, release. Uh, I should have looked elsewhere. So I'm sorry, I failed you all.
1: Around this point, they had started tinkering with a new DJ named Darren Price, and he officially joined the band uh, with uh, their next full release. But in the meantime, did you know that they did another soundtrack? What? Uh, It was a Jude Law film called Breaking and Entering. This is gonna sound really stupid. You probably don't remember, we bumped into each other. Tell me about your
0: son. He gets in trouble, that's another story. What are you thinking?
1: I was thinking, are you married? The smell of perfume. I don't know how I do. Nor do I.
0: If you could do anything right now, what would it be?
1: Change everything up until this moment. And you, what would you do? A Jude Law film. A Jude Law film. They did it with uh, Gabriel Yaret. It came out in November of 2006 there's not a lot of information about the album but it's it's on youtube and you know what it is very very distinct in their catalog what there's strings there's guitar there's piano there's a lot of very organic sounding instruments i cuz i there's just not that much information all music kind of talks about it very briefly and that it happened and that wikipedia it happened sort of thing so gabriel yarad he's a composer so i wonder if they fully collaborated together or if gabriel yarad composed it and Underworld performed it, or they did some songs and he did other songs. Unfortunately, I don't really have that information. It's again, it's, it's, there's not a lot of information in part because breaking and entering was a monumental bomb. It's it just absolutely, absolutely bombed the box office. Um, mm. and was quite a bit of a disappointment. It has, um, What's her face from Dan in real life? Uh, Juliette Binoche. Ah, yes. Oh, and Robin Wright. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it sounds like a, one of those human drama uh, sort of sort of things. And and I will be honest, um, the soundtrack's really good. It, it is really good, but it is a very unique, unique entry in Underworld's discography. So I'm, I'm actually very curious of the film because uh, there was a lot of care put into the soundtrack. There, it is a very full and rich uh, rich well just because it bomb doesn't mean it's not good it just means there wasn't that much interest in it yeah uh,
0: so uh you know and, and honestly uh the, you know these kind of dramas are they could be a little bit uh hit and miss so uh or rather right they don't necessarily have the mass appeal yeah no, it could be good i don't know uh, i don't know i don't know oh See? he's dead
1: uh the director, uh, Anthony Minghella, um well, he died yeah uh did uh, the english patient uh talented mr ripley cold mountain oh so he's actually got quite a few yeah. uh, pretty good pretty well-known films under his belt yeah so. yeah so i mean yeah oh yeah he was only 54 when oh. he died oh dang oh, man Dang. Yes, I don't, yeah. oh jesus he died of a uh, died of a hemorrhage oh oh he, <coughs> there was an operation to remove cancer of his tonsils and neck and hemorrhaged oh oh dag (laughs) Jeez, wow, that's a downer sometimes people die in surgery it's a sucky thing yeah yeah so i i'm I'm very curious about breaking end ring i actually really like talented mystery play i think it's a great a great adaptation of the book another Law film it is
0: yeah i think one of the first movies i ever saw judah in but i think although i think the first movie i saw judah in i think i want to say was um ai Gattaca.
1: Gattaca. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. No, no. Gattaca's great. We could, we could. If you are bring it back, check in the gate. Can I request Gattaca? I would love to talk about Gattaca.
0: I actually watched it uh, not long ago because I wanted to do a video essay for my YouTube channel on mm. it. But I just, I haven't abandoned it entirely. I just feel like the script stalled. Mm. Like is, I just kind of hit a wall, and I just feel like wasn't, I wasn't making. Uh, anyway, I, I guess I can get into it later. Uh, but it, 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 well, there is a good video in there somewhere that I just haven't made. I've been sitting on for like a year or two.
1: So yeah, so I haven't listened to the soundtrack to that either. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> It's quite okay. And actually, to be honest, this is this is the thing. Is that like keeping track of Underworld's releases are a bit, a bit sketchy. Because there's, there's a lot of stuff where we are omitting various remixes, random singles. The thing is, this is ultimately, it's just like... Uh, we don't want to be here all di- night, basically. So, so uh, we're trying to stick to major the
0: studio album, so...
1: Yeah, uh, I was fascinated by Riverrun, and I'm glad I took a look at it because we will get to this. They've reapproached this idea. Anyways, they did another live album, Live in Tokyo, but we aren't going to omit that. And instead, we are going to October 3rd, 2007, Oblivion with Bells, a very highly anticipated album produced by Rick Smith. I was hearing. A little bit of industrial influence. Oh. But I was also hearing a little more organic. It was it was it influenced by doing that soundtrack. And then out of left field, we get this ambient song to heal that really sounds like nothing else uh, that they've done. Uh I mean it's 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 phenomenal. It's a great song, it's very short, but you listen to it, you're like, oh, is this even the same band? And then there's some rock influence. Although to be honest, I feel like the winner of the album might be "Faxed Invitation," which plays on such very interesting subtleties. It is it is such a subtle song, which you don't you don't really hear a lot of with Underworld. A lot of the music isn't very subtle, but uh, this one the changes are are very slight. Um, but there's enough that God, let's do it with headphones. There's enough that it keeps dragging you in. Just like oh, what are, what are they doing now in this one? I I, I thought it was really cool. Uh, so on the whole, I I think "Oblivion with Bells" is a great great album and uh, definitely. Definitely kind of a, a return to form after the very, very unusual River Run project. Totes. Yeah, this album has uh,
0: the uh, breathier, deeper synth sounds that I've come to really like. It's got a bit of a, a darker, less playful edge than 100 Days Off. And they will always get points for Having to Heal, which is a magical, ambient, two and a half minute uh, track of musical perfection. Though very comparable to Brian Eno's An Ending. Mm-hmm. brackets ascent which was off of 28 days later 28 days later yeah one, which is um, another danny boyle film no it's boyle's back to danny
1: boyle yeah
0: yeah so uh very comparable but at the same time like you know i'll listen to either one just you know i, I don't mind
1: oh speaking of which i keep meaning to bring this up but okay 28 days later is day of the Trifids. i i thought that they were kind of similar with the with the beginning of um you know, the guy in the hospital bed wakes up, nobody's around, and I was just like, oh, and Walking Dead did that too. So, I, no, 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 28 Days Later is a remake of Day of the Trifids, except instead of uh, plants, it's zombies. Is it, uh, is it actually said to be a remake? Uh, it is said to be heavily inspired from, so, well, which I think is fair because they've completely changed. But even the part where they go into like the, the military compound. I don't and know stuff much about like Day of the Trifids. So. Well, it's basically that. So. Except just imagine instead of zombies, imagine plants, that can get up and walk and shoot poison at people. And any survivors, uh, with the exception of a couple, are completely blind. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But, it,
0: yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. I finished the book recently. Um, <laughs> good to know. The shorter, more quiet track listing really works for me. It feels more refined. Glam Bucket is another uh, moment of genius and sonic experimentation. has a great climb. And the closer, uh, best mag, uh, ma- Maga? no, Mamgu, ma- Mamgu, ma- yeah, not Mega, definitely not Mega. There's no best Mega ever. Best Mamgu ever <laughs> is great. It, it ascends to angelic heights, and all in all, this actually might be uh, my favorite album of the bunch. I think it's a really solid uh, effort from them. Just has um, a certain mood that uh, that gels with me. Um, yeah, Oblivion with bells. I'm most of, mostly, uh, you and I have seem to have uh, kind of gone back and forth on you know which ones are our favorites, but this one seems to gel with us both, which mm-hmm. is I say a testament to its quality.
1: I just honestly, Underworld, um, their albums mm-hmm. tend to be really consistent, uh, which is something I I appreciate. I appreciate. You know, I, I was a little worried going in first because
0: uh, it, it's hard, it can be hard approaching techno. <laughs> you know, yes. You know, like. Some techno is just like it's just really it's 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 made for a very specific kind of audience and and it it doesn't really branch out in interest much further than that. Uh, luckily, the underworld does to be has has sort of proven to be a band that challenges the norms of the genre and 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 pushes it a little further. And and as such, there's actually there tends to be a lot more to appreciate and listen to than I I think um, many of their contemporaries are, which is probably why they've had also had the lasting power and critical claim that they have. So
1: anyways, moving
0: right along, I guess we're, t- yeah. it looks like we're talking about sunshine.
1: We are. Uh, they paired off with, uh, John Murphy, who is a, uh, composer who has worked with Danny Boyle a few times. but also Guy Ritchie. also 28 later days later. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Um, to do the soundtrack for sunshine. Our sun is dying. Mankind faces extinction. 16 months ago, I, Robert Kappa, and a crew of seven left Earth frozen in a solar winter. Our mission, reignite the sun before it's too late. Welcome to Icarus 2. So if you wake up one morning and it's a particularly beautiful day, you'll know we made it. Now this album was delayed about a year coming out, uh, much to frustration of of both Underworld and John Murphy. The Adagio in D minor has been used so many times, but uh, unlike a lot of the other soundtracks that they've been a part, actually I can't even say that. I'll say unlike Train Spotting or Batman and Robin and stuff, um, this one is far more like Breaking and Entering, where this is this is really there and the composers soundtrack mm-hmm. like this is thrown through Kappa's last transmission at home is a retooling of to heal but a very minor retooling it's basically the same but I think they've added a little more production a little more sound effects uh, make it a little more future, well, future also singing. there's a voiceover with it too right but, yeah, uh, yeah so, granted
0: yeah, if you want to listen to Killian Murphy's sultry voice mm-hmm. he's yeah. like hey.
1: but so. without without the accents
0: no, no accent. No, he does his, or rather, he does his American accent. Yeah, that's right. It's more <laughs> accurate.
1: That's right. Uh, you know, uh, I think this soundtrack is so brilliant. If I had to pick a favorite, I'd say the song Mercury is really, really good. Uh, but all things considered, start to finish, this is this is a phenomenal soundtrack. Uh, I watched Sunshine with my son Andrew. Well, it was it was this year. It, it can be hard to get the kid to sit down and watch a movie sometimes, but uh, and I'm like I'm pretty sure you'll really like this movie. How's Town Called Panic going? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? We're gonna make it, Tomorrow is gonna be our day. I, I'm
0: telling Tomorrow's you, man just 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 put it on. Mm-hmm. They'll they'll they will come. They will come. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I bet Andrew will even go. What even is this? <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> the movie The Sunshine is such a delicate movie, and I know that. Um, it did, there was a massive tone change about halfway through, and that did put a couple people off. Yeah, more than halfway. It, it's it, for the third act, I'd say. There's okay. a huge tone change. Fair. Yeah. I, I know that's put some people off, but I, I kind of felt like it was. I, I, am totally fine with it, and I kind of feel like it kind of goes based on, based on the the overall theme. There's a lot of hints early on in the film with with the way that the sun, the light of the sun, the energy of the sun. Has different effects on different people and stuff. It's it's a fascinating movie. Um, it's a very metaphysical movie. There's a bit of a science blunder in it that is explained through outside material, which is unfortunately the movie needs to be judged on its own merits. So if you go in and you explain, oh well, the sun's not actually dying; it's a cue ball. And here, you know, if you look at this and this, that, okay, well, th- that wasn't said in the movie
0: there's also yeah. a bit of a hole when it comes to their um i mean didn't i didn't want to be a problem in the context of the film but the, you know how they the their job is to deliver the pay- payload and then they can zoom back to earth yeah but if they deliver the payload that gets rid of the protection from the sun not not all
1: of it there's there's a, a smaller one as well. is there a smaller one there was
0: a smaller one yeah that okay yeah but even the slightest turn that yes you know,
1: well that that's it, the thing too. Is that. Well, I guess that's why they have that that super mathematician on board, but he screws up anyways. Yeah. What a, a, a freaking guy! Yeah. Uh,
0: okay, well, in, in that case, I may, maybe I, it's been a while since I've seen it. I guess as 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 it seems to be with every movie that I see, it's been a long time since I've seen it. But sure. <laughs> but yeah, um, I, I also really like it, and and I yeah. and I do enjoy the music of it. And, well, and, and it. one thing I appreciate about this soundtrack is that it omits that stupid song at the right at the end of the credits, where where there's it's. It's like this really heavy, like growly rock song that just completely deflates the uh, the energy of the soundtrack. And I'm I'm like, oh, I, I can't believe they just like. I it feels like that was a contractual obligation <laughs> or something. And <laughs> but it's not an issue with the sound. The soundtrack is. It's it? like a,
1: my Event Horizon had the same thing. It's like that that song at the end at the end credits of Event Horizon. It's like, or, or actually Watchmen too. Watchmen instead of they should have done first we take Manhattan. Uh like that that want of being in the end credits, but after the stupid Power Punk song first and then it did first particular hand, should honestly should just I I just I have I have
0: strong feelings about like the end credits first of all like are you trying to chase people out or do you want people to kind of sit and soak in the 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 feeling of the film Mm. and uh and I just feel like if you you know, at the end of sunshine we're like we're like bah! it's it's and i i'm not going to say that that's bad music i'm just going to say that it didn't fit the feeling of the film and it, it made me it was jarring and maybe kind of it, it, it just ruined the the like, yeah you said the word metaphysical that feels like, you know, like like that that sort of like that feeling of the movie of like you know transcendence and like and and uh and just the the you well know, it's, they, it's a like, metaphysical they, movie yeah yeah you yeah. know like that there's that there's a, just a, it's, a really cool that it's a really cool feeling that it's supposed to leave off, off on and then it's like just, it's like okay well come on guys come on yeah
1: <laughs> cannot recommend the uh sunshine soundtrack enough it's really good yeah and uh, then,
0: anyways more to heal is not a bad thing mm-hmm. I love that song
1: technically twice because Kappa Meets the Sun um, yeah also is, has that yeah yeah, was, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, whew, okay Anyways, moving moving right along. 2nd of September, 2010. The album is called Barking. And you will notice from the get-go, there are a lot of producers. And the reason why is because Underworld recorded songs. Then they approached a lot of very popular producers for house music, for drum and bass, for dance. Like a lot of these producers. And they said, here's, here's our songs. Make something interesting out of them. One of those producers is High Contrast. His actual name is Link- Lincoln Barrett, uh, and we'll get back to him in a little bit. But uh, it's it's not just because they couldn't figure out you know how their album was going to sound. On the contrary, they the approach for this album was to absorb new and fresh sounds from people who, from their contemporaries, and so that is what was going on with this with this album. And I found that uh, it succeeded, if that's what they were going for. It plays with a lot more alternative dance. And it sounds like uh, a lot of the contemporary electronic acts. Um, Although I won't say that they were definitely playing with sounds of these particular artists. These were the artists I was reminded of. I heard Crystal Castles. I heard Justice. I heard Digitalism. They might not even know any of these acts, but... uh, but their contemporary acts of that time, and this sounds like an album of this time, still very very good. And I, uh, not as long honestly as as some of their past albums. This one, even though there's no song shorter than five minutes, you don't get quite those uh, pushing ten minutes songs that that we've been mm-hmm. kind of getting used to. I feel like they
0: uh, they've taken uh, like the cd era they really wanted to fill the cd and now yeah. we're into the sort of more the digital era and they didn't i guess they don't feel a need to fill fill a certain amount of time and and so and also i just feel like that was just kind of the way the music trended in the 90s albums were made long and then through the 2000s they they started to shorten up yeah and uh and now uh and and, and nowadays it seems like they're they're usually albums tend to be a little tighter so it's falling kind of suit in that in that respect i think for sure How'd you feel? How'd you feel? Tell me. Well, right off the bat, I gotta say, where's the barking that I was promised? <laughs> uh, the first song is called bird one and birds do not bark. No, actually that's not hundred percent true. I have heard some parrots but bark pretty well. Oh, they do some really good do- dog impressions. So, All right. and cat impressions. So, uh, I guess it depends on the bird. It doesn't specify that it's a parrot though. So, um, this really needs to be looked into. I would like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, this album does kind of feel like a step back for me. And when I see, I didn't actually look, I I, I guess my research, honestly, I was a little poor this time around. I I listened to the music, but I didn't really look into the concepts behind the albums. But in in some ways, what you're saying makes sense because it does feel like, like they maybe didn't know where to go. And so, um, so it feels to me a little safe although I guess production wise it isn't that safe because they brought in a lot of outside producers and outside but um, as far as like were the, the, the band members themselves not just trying to figure out where they want to go I guess that it's consistent with that but but uh, regardless you know, there are some very solid moments in here um, like Scribble which is carried by a conventional beat but has uh, very compelling details sprinkled throughout it so there's there's, there's stuff underneath uh, the 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 most clear and crisp sounds or stuff underneath there, and I love that stuff. Moon in Water is uh, is gifted with a great synth riff, which they work with uh, and uh, and build off of very well. Apart from that, like, well, there's nothing really, there's nothing really bad on this album. Nothing really like was off-putting, hmm. but uh, there isn't too much that like I feel like a need to come back to personally. And uh, that last track, I don't know, I feel just kind of just kind of. It's kind of boring. But maybe the, it
1: it's was. it's almost too bad because I think I've only mentioned on two, three occasions that they stick the landing. You know,
0: oh, with the with the uh, with, with the, the final, f- track? final track, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Those those last tracks, they're 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 slippery. Um, so yeah, uh sorry. <laughs> you know, sorry.
1: Oh, oh, and now another anthology this time. Yeah, uh they released two. There was the ninety two to twenty twelve The Anthology and then A Collection. And one of them looked really good because it had like a bunch of like bunch of like uh outtakes and demos and stuff. There might have been that might have been Yeah, yeah, just three unreleased tracks and rarities. I always kind of like a look at that Mm -hmm. sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I can understand with an intimidating discography like this, if you want to scoop up a compilation, it kind of makes a degree of sense. The 92 to 2012 one, I think, would probably be in your best interest to nab. Uh, I should mention 2012, Underworld were the musical directors for the 2012 Olympics in London. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. uh, believe it or not, there was a soundtrack to the 2012 Olympics because the Olympic Committee tries to milk the Olympics for as much as they can at yes, all times. Absolutely. Uh, and Underworld contributed two songs: "Caliban's Dream" and "And I Will Kiss." <sighs> um, <laughs> and they are—they're pretty good. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. I, I, I won't be like, they were outstanding. I mean, they were they were pretty good. I wonder if there's a listing. I You know, there probably is. Let's say 2012 Olympic... Soundtrack uh, movie? 2012 Summer Olympics opening ceremony. That's, oh, my God. I don't want to go through all this. Hold on, music. Uh, you don't have to. I, oh make, my, I won't make you do oh it. Oh, my right. God. It's just... You know, the thing is, it's just like the... Okay, yeah. Rick Smith and Underworld composed pieces for the opening ceremony, including And I Will Kiss... Used during the pandemonium section, and uh, Caliban's dream heard during the lighting of the cauldron. Okay, so great. Well, the Guardian, mm-hmm. uh, the UK newspaper, mm-hmm. really liked it. But again, I, they haven't ever had a, an issue with um, with the critics. The critics have always always seem to have liked Unworld. So that's not surprising to me. But what we should get into is their 2016 album. Album, yes, album. Barbara, Barbara, we face a shining future. Yes, it was released on the 18th of March, 2016. Produced by Rick Smith and high contrast from the uh, from the last album. Lincoln Barrett has returned. I guess they really liked working with yeah, him, so Lincoln. they brought him. They brought him in. Come on in, Come on buddy. On and I'll tell tell you. Uh, interestingly, this was the first time they were nominated for a Grammy.
0: Oh, peeking early.
1: Right. Um I find it to be more dance-oriented. I actually actually to be honest, I really like this this uh this (gasps) album quite a bit, and I was legitimately shocked when Santiago Cuatro came around and we had (laughs) Spanish guitar! And uh yeah, it was uh and and then nylon strun, uh, possibly uh there we go. They stuck the landing for this one. All things are start to finish. This is an album, it doesn't overstate. its welcome. It's super consistent, opens well, ends well. It got a couple surprises in it, and Surprise. I'm not going to lie. I think this might, this could possibly be my favorite album. So it's it's kind of hard to say, because I think I also was, okay, second toughest in the infants, or this album, might be my favorite. Legitimately awesome, awesome, awesome album. Loved it. Did not chart in the U.S. <laughs> Never will. From the first track, I felt like this
0: could be a more compelling work for sure. Um, not to mention that the length of these albums is finally reasonable. I feel like it's 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 not over overwhelming. If raw, is that
1: what the song's called? I think so. If yeah. raw, raw, raw,
0: is okay, but a little uh, long for a track that doesn't really uh, go anywhere. <clears throat> Low burn is was um, a lot more like it. It's very cinematic in presentation. Beautiful swells in the background. I really love it uh ova nova is a particular highlight with a very pretty atmosphere and gentle chords carrying it forward uh i don't i didn't quite like it as much as you overall though i, I really tried to because again like i there were some moments where that like i was really quite engaged with it but um the few a few more the, i don't know some of the tracks in the middle in, in the middle in particular because yeah i think i also really like that uh, that finisher i just was it was just a little bland and, uh, and, uh, for, for something, for an album with only seven tracks, I kind of think that, like, everyone, every one of them should have really counted. But, but at the same time, what I do appreciate is that they really did try new things. Yeah. I, when it works, it works very, very well. Um, but it's just some, somewhere in the middle, it kind of, I feel it kind of loses its, uh, its momentum. Although Santiago, what did you call it?
1: Cuatro. Santiago Cuatro.
0: Yeah. Ole.
1: Ole.
0: Ah. Yeah, i'm trying to I you, know, I you know here's and here's another problem is that uh sometimes when you listen to a lot of a band's work it, it's it's hard to appreciate some of the albums individually you know it's, it gets
1: it gets a little bit uh congested in <laughs> but I, um, I, I will say that all things considered uh i feel like they managed to dodge the issue that a lot of their contemporaries have where it can be just little too repetitive and you can't really listen to more than oh, one yeah. or two albums yeah. so you have yeah. de- definitely like it, there's a, there's an,
0: and that's the thing also there's just there's there's something on every album that is definitely worth listening to mm-hmm. so uh and 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 honestly not and and rarely anything that I think is outright terrible
1: mm.
0: yeah so uh but yeah but at the same time I, I maybe get
1: ahead of myself because we are not done yet uh, I will note that in 2018 they had the Tea Time Dub Encounters, which they um, they collaborated with Iggy Pop. Uh, I was going to come back to this one, uh, and that was a mistake because it meant that I never actually got around to listening to it. Want, want. And the reason why uh, is because I was busy listening to their Drift project. Yeah. <laughs> Drift. <sighs> Go to Bandcamp, folks. If you Underworlds only listing on Bandcamp is their drift project it has each individual drift project or if you want it all bundled together as one the complete drift it has that as well but uh, it's, that's all they have listed on their bandcamp
0: I found this to be um, quite
1: inconsistent as well oh yes
0: as far as like wh- what uh, what the track listings were and belong
1: to what and everything. Um, well, again, it's, it's very much like uh, Riverrun in that the, they were doing, what, like a song a week? Or, uh, yes, uh, there was a song released online on a weekly basis. And it's just like, here's here's a song, here's a song, here's a song. And they grouped them together as episodes. And the episodes were then digital EPs. But instead of just being through their website, um, again, they did it through, like, Bandcamp and some Well, you other say
0: stream. EP, but each one's basically an album, like, um, in length.
1: Well, I mean, sort of, though, right? Because, like, the first one is 30 Minutes. And the second one is 85 minutes. <laughs> so they're all over the place, Look, right? Uh, albums can be 30 minutes. Uh, I think it's way too long to be considered an EP. I, I guess so. Mm. I, okay. So,
0: well, I also, How many tracks is it? It's like, it's, it's definitely more than like three or four tracks.
1: Uh, you are correct. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. six, but really five. Cause there's a silly little intro one. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. I guess it just, I mean, I guess it, they just want to No, I mean, they barely call it EP. We'll just call them episodes. Cause that's what they call them. They yeah, call them episodes. Yeah, okay. And it's basically just like, well, how long is this track? It depends on how far we go, you know? Um, and I listened to, I want to say 90% of it. Yeah. Uh, the. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, here, here's the thing, though, is that because, because, again, these aren't albums crafted like other albums. These are more like the way River Run was when sometimes mm-hmm. you get these these musical ideas that come out and sometimes they are incredibly disjointed from each other. Sometimes they're techno, sometimes they're trance, sometimes they're experimental. Sometimes they have some alternative rock leanings. Um, it, it really just depends entirely on, on, it's just like, Hey, I got an idea for a song. Uh, we'll try it on these instruments. Oh, this works or this doesn't work. And, uh, yeah. And then you get songs that are a minute and a half or over 10. I think there's one that's 12. Yeah. Uh, this one pushes 15. Longest one is 15 minutes. I think if you are an Underworld fan, this is this is fantastic stuff. Imagine you're getting a new song every week, mm-hmm. and okay, that's cool. But if you are a casual listener, I don't think you would. I don't think you'd like this. And honestly, the way that we again, I, I say this again, the way that
0: we would listen to it as sort of like as a project to listen to to review, it's, it's just a little daunting. <laughs> well, <laughs> not, and the thing
1: is, is, how do you re- how do you review something like this? Well, it, that's the thing yeah. is that
0: I don't. I do, I couldn't. I couldn't even really take notes on this one. Yeah, because. I feel like the the biggest note I have is wow, this is long and there's a lot to listen to. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, the idea of the project though was that you were supposed to you were supposed to be with them from the beginning, yeah, and following along every single week. But and, I, but I wasn't. But, but we're we are not we're, we're doing it with hindsight. So yeah. with hindsight, suddenly it looks like a monumental task. Yeah. But uh, but you know, you know, this is one of those cases where I think that the the.
0: Uh, you just kind of have to applaud them for the taking the project on and uh, appreciate each song individually. But yeah, it's, it's it's hard to give notes on because they even like the individual episodes, they don't really feel they didn't feel like to me to be very cohesive albums um, or EPs or whatever you want to call them. And, and, and as a whole, it didn't feel like a cohesive album. It felt like. A, a huge anthology of songs, yeah, and for better or for worse. Which is some of them I liked quite a bit, and some of them I wasn't as interested in. So it,
1: it's it's hard to have notes beyond that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, so uh, but so folks, um, if you are hardcore Underworld fans, check it out. It's on Bandcamp. Yeah, if you like if, if you like, like, like Underworld yeah. for the most part, it, there's definitely stuff you're gonna like. There's there's there. stuff there. I, I, I found um, I found some stuff in there that that I thought was really cool. Uh, but if you are, if you're just like, uh oh, I don't really know. I think I'll just take a sample. Don't, don't listen to this. Okay? Well, actually what, what, um, what Spotify has mm. is the
0: drift sampler.
1: Oh wait, Did- that might be on bandcamp as well. Uh,
0: and so there is a very condensed version. Now I didn't listen to that cause I thought, because I was, I was going to be listening to just the, the whole thing. Uh, I, I felt like there's no point in me listening to the sampler for it, but maybe the sampler is, a, is like some of the best stuff, or maybe it's just. I I don't know what the decision making process No, no you're right. Are.
1: Um Drift Series 1 the Sampler edition. Okay, it's the one with the dog, yeah. right? Yeah. And this and I have heard that this isn't even going to be the last Drift. No, the the <laughs> first off this went longer than they were anticipating and um yeah, the, apparently they're they're considering doing this more. Sure. <laughs> I, you know yeah, honestly yeah. i i think i'll give them a follow if they start uh if they start the drifting again then I, yeah, I don't mind listening to a song a week and also I, I follow that
0: actually and that that to me does seem like a, the more ideal way to listen to it and and uh what i will say is also like like think of it the, there are like what 30 years in their career yeah they can do whatever they want at this point like they've earned it you know if they if they just want to do this this like weird project and and kind of take a break from from just making studio albums that's cool you know like make something for the hardcore fans or just like make make music in a way that makes you want to make music because because you know i guess sometimes it can be just exhausting to do the whole like you know make an album tour and make an album tour that kind of thing just if this this is something
1: different that they like doing then you
0: know why not
1: yeah I, I concur. So, uh, oh my goodness, there we are. Let's do track recommendations. <laughs> All <right. Let's> t- <laughs> Do you want to go first? Yeah, why not? So, band
0: style slash uh, sappys curry from uh, uh, second toughest in the infants. Uh, nice. Um, is uh, that's yeah, a good track. Um, I mean, I, I I mean, I love curry in general. Uh, I I I, I like a good lamb curry. Uh, I've even had a really nice uh, seafood curry. Uh, I've I even made a really good like vegetarian curry um, with raisins. So um, Sappy's curry, gotta try it, gotta try Sappy's curry. But also the music is pretty good in this too. It just is a really cool synth sounds and, and just like honestly just give it a listen to for the, like the, just the little details in there. So the, the details are what really make the song uh, a, a step up. So. Uh, and it's very it's very indicative of that era of underworld and what kind of stuff they were making at the time and 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 uh, and what what techno um, I don't know the, the, just the possibilities of where it could go. Uh, I think uh, it's a it's a shining example of that. For off of a hundred days off, or, or rather, a. Condensed version of a song off of a hundred days off. Uh, I am going with two months off. The radio edit. The radio edits slash the. Honestly, just go watch the music video. Uh, Steve's got to put the music video in the show notes. It's gonna be down there. Um, because uh, I just I, I just love it so much. I, and I can't even separate the song from the from the video because I've watched it so many times. So watch not Moby dance <laughs> and and uh, and uh, just just there's a such a beautiful. Um, I don't know just the way that the music the music and the vocals are all mixed and the and and also there's a lot of good cowbell in there if you, if you gotta have if you gotta have a more cowbell uh, there's a good amount of that song so it's just it's just got a really cool emotional depth to it um that i think everyone should give it a spin and and even though this is not typical underworld uh i gotta i gotta recommend it uh, anyway because it's it's a phenomenal, phenomenal track is just uh, "To Heal," a little bite-sized song off of *Oblivion* with bells, and also the uh, *Sunshine* soundtrack. Um, "To Heal" is just this little ambient masterpiece that just kind of takes you on a uh, an angelic journey through clouds and and uh, space, and uh, I don't know, it's just it's just beautiful. So, those are my track recommendations.
1: Okay. First off, from the train spotting soundtrack, Darkened Lawn, the Dark Train Edit. I really like the original Darkened Lawn, but with the Dark Train edits, uh, they tweak it a little bit more. There's a uh, new energy that's kind of put in. There's, it's a it's a little bit more frantic. I kind of want to say, and also the structure of the song is is slightly different as well. And uh, I actually, I was like, yeah, this is a pretty good song for for Dark and Long. But uh, I was listening to the Dark Train edit. And I was like, yeah, they've they've really, I feel like they've mastered the song a little more in this in this version. And does it go choo choo? Cho
0: choo, choo Chabuggy, whoa, whoa. No? no. Okay. Okay. Well. Okay. Well then. How good? How good could it be? True.
1: Uh, from from barking, I'll actually say Moon and Water. You and I both agree that that's a phenomenal, phenomenal song. There's a lot of little details in there that I like, especially the way they do the vocal production. Um, a lot of times the vocals seem just kind of like, even, even though it's it's almost uh, it's almost a shame because like clearly effort is put into the lyrical content. There's it's not just random. Um, you know random lines thrown over and over again to repeat there's there's genuine effort put in but on the whole though the music tends to overpower the lyrics and the lyrics just kind of kind of blend in as another instrument but in this case i kind of felt like the lyrics the vocalists uh were were very very distinct and almost like there was a little bit more of a spotlight to put on them uh that being said though the instrumentation is as normal is still really good and then if you if you i'm going for a little bit of a deep one out of the drift project uh i felt one of the winners was apple shine um this one this one was a lot more accessible this one was was uh it had a very very strong melody which wasn't present necessarily on a lot of the other drift stuff but apple shine which is off of uh, episode two atom is uh is i think honestly the winner of the winner of the bunch that being said am i going to go back and listen through drift to see if you know maybe there are some better ones probably not truthfully hopefully you'll find something that you'll like as well all right sir we got v yes um for vendetta if i recall oh you want to do the v for vendetta soundtrack
0: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i was thinking about uh i was trying to look through some bands the one that stood out to me was the verve hmm but uh but i'm open to suggestions as well i
1: actually just recently bought the, the big album? Yeah. Uh Urban Hymns. Urban Hymns. Thank you. I actually bought that recently secondhand. So it seems it seems appropriate. Sure, why don't we do the Verve? Do you guys remember the Verve? Of course you do, because they had that massive song <laughs> Bittersweet Symphony. And I guess, you know, now's as good time as any to get into their uh against that whole legal thing since it has been settled somewhat recently. Yeah, it resolved. So yeah, right. yeah. So, dear listener, what do you think of Tears for Fears? What do you think of Underworld? What do you think of the Verve? You got to get in touch with us. You got to let us know. And there's a few you ways to, to do it. You, you got to let us know. Facebook page is a good place to start. Just look us up, Music AZ Podcast Twitter account, at Podcast is also a great spot. But, you know, if you want to hit us up on the website, MusicAZPodcast.com, I'd love to get your feedback there as well. What's going on with you, Doug? Well, uh, I got to admit, Steve, the Doug
0: Hub, uh, I was just looking at it the other day. It's extraordinarily uh, outdated now. Oh, no. So uh, yeah. I got I to gotta update it. Or I might even just, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what to do with my website. But if you mm-hmm. want, you can check out the ongoings of Doug circa 2017 <laughs> at DougJCFerguson.com. But uh, more likely, you'll see my very consistent uh, uploads on uh, YouTube uh, when you look at moving underscore pictures with a K-P-I-K. And will see me review nostalgic media of various sorts particularly if you like Transformers okay, I gotta tell you I'm one of the I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make one of the essential Transformer review pages
1: alright anything else Captain?
0: <sighs> no, no alright nothing at all
1: well then I'm gonna close this out by saying Music A to Z podcast is hosted by Stephen and Doug Ferguson and it's produced by me Stephen Ferguson you should check out our other works at stephengcferguson.ca and movie underscore pictures with a K on YouTube